What's up, friends? Welcome to Web3 Academy, a place for entrepreneurs, creators, and marketers to explore and learn how to use Web3 to transform business models and create thriving communities. Enjoy this next episode. Welcome to Web3 Academy. It's the spotlight, the doer spotlight. And today we have with us Julian Genistu. I hope I said that right, Julian. You can correct me if I said it wrong. Uh, and as always, uh, I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Reedhead. What's up, guys? How are you? Uh, and just a quick intro on Julian before uh, we lead you in. We had a great chat leading up to this, and uh, uh, Julian's got some funny stories he might share throughout this podcast. Um, but Julian uh, has been a software engineer for 20 plus years. Uh, he founded Superfeeder, uh, which he then sold to Medium in 2016. Uh, he then joined the Medium team as the lead engineer uh, for a few years and then left Medium to found Unlock Protocol which we are super stoked that he did. Uh, because if you guys out there have read our Web3 report that we produced at the beginning of 2022, you would have seen that we called that 2022 would be the year for NFT memberships, uh, as we believe that that is uh, a big part of the systemic change that Web3 is allowing. Uh, so really excited to have Julian on the podcast today. I also just want to mention one more thing that I pulled together in my research that I just loved is that, uh, Julian, I heard say uh, at a um, presentation that he did that he believes that the open web is the best invention that mankind has ever put out, uh, which we fully agree with as well. And Web3 is really going to allow us to uh, build on the open web again in a way that we haven't for the past 20 years. Julian, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And you did a great job with my name. So thank you. Thank you for this. <laughs> Thanks, we're Canadian, so we got a little bit of the French. Uh, the French you have to, right? Like every time I fly Air Canada, I'm just amazed by how, how much work it's into making sure that everybody has at least a French version, which is great. So let's let's jump right into Unlock Protocol. I mean, we're so excited about the potential of this protocol. So for the listeners, Julian, why don't you just walk them through what is Unlock Protocol and maybe focus a little bit on the problem that it solves. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you said it, right? Unlock Protocol is actually a protocol for memberships as NFTs. Uh, so that's kind of the, the, the two-second pitch. Uh, the problem that it solves is, is something that is very close to my heart. And you mentioned earlier, I, I did say, and I, I will repeat that the, the web, the internet is uh, man's great, greatest invention uh, for one reason, I think. Uh, and if, if, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have read, um, I've read the book uh, called uh, Sapiens, where basically the point that the author makes, uh, Yuval makes is the idea that what makes humans different uh, from other species is our ability to collaborate. And I feel like any invention that allows us to collaborate better is obviously going to make us, you know, better altogether. And for me, the internet is clearly at this point, the invention that allows us to collaborate more and better than anything we've done so far. This is, I think, pretty obvious for anyone who's li lived through the pandemic uh, and kept their work, uh, were able to feed themselves, get food. Um, in some cases, like our, like us, we're, we're, we live in the US away from home, I'd say stay in touch with our families and friends. It is pretty obvious that the internet is in that way magic as the, again, the way for people uh, to keep working and keep collaborating. I don't want to just say working, but like um, living together uh, as a collaboration tool. And the one thing though that I've realized over the years, uh, you mentioned Superfeeder before uh, and Medium then, is that the, the business model of that collective brain of that invention that we share which is mostly attention is detrimental. It's creating the wrong incentives around what kind of content gets produced, what kind of content gets promoted, uh, what kind of um, information gets out there. I, I don't have to go full politics, but like it's pretty obvious that when there's a lot of misinformation on the web, uh, our um, you know democracies or, or not so much democracies like the countries in which there is uh, you know uh, autocrats is not getting better. Like it's it's hard to find accurate information, and the reason why it's hard to find sometimes accurate information is because the Unaccurate information has an economic advantage over the accurate one because it creates more, you know, outrage and is basically more easily monetizable. So I do think that this internet has a business model, a business model problem, because it uses attention. Mm -hmm. But I'm convinced that over the last ten plus years, we've slowly moved to what what I call the membership economy, where now it's not so much that creators are being paid based on how much attention they're able to steal, but how, how much value they're creating for their fans, their members, you know, the people in their communities. And that's pretty obvious if you think it's, if you think about stuff like Patreon, like Substack, Medium, but even like brands, like you think the New York Times, for example, is something that is kind of mind blowing. They're, they're going 
I think close to 10 million subscribers, uh, which mean that they actually serve these people rather than serving advertisers. And I haven't looked at the latest numbers, but like they now make less than 30% in ads, which completely changes the dynamic of how content is being produced and for whom, for whom content is being produced. So that, that was kind of a, a long tangent, but yeah, the goal, the reason here for why doing Unlock is like, I do think memberships are becoming the main business model for the internet. Um, and as a software engineer, as somebody who really values the idea of open standards and the open web, I think we need an open protocol for memberships and that's what Unlock is aiming to be. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. And I wanna get more into Unlock protocol itself and, yes. um, and like how it all works and, and what this looks like. First though, I was reading your website um, and I think you guys just redid your website. It looks like well done by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks. And one of the things it said is your members aren't a commodity. Stop allowing platforms to treat them like one. Um, and I thought that was a very interesting line. Can you just explain that a little bit further on like what that means? And I guess yeah. sort of touch on how Unlock changes that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or Web3 in general. Yeah. So if you think about membership on platforms, right? Like um, on Facebook, it'd be somebody who likes your page is a member of your community. Practice though, you don't actually know who these people are. You just know that they're a number. Oh, there's like 572 people that like my page. I have no idea who they are and actually don't have a relationship with them. I just know that someplace inside the giant Facebook database, there is 572 rows that say, hey, these user IDs like that page. That's what I call a commodity in that scenario. Like it's there is no actual relationship, there is no there is no actual um, interaction between these two these two entities, and all of the interaction that are possible are mediated by Facebook. So, for example, if I got that many page uh, fans on my page, I post a story. Well, there is no guarantee that all of these people that have liked me or like my page will ever see that story. That's kind of the thing that we're trying to solve with Unlock, and we'll talk about how actually technically that works. The idea here is like, as a creator, I deploy my contract and then all of my members have an NFT in their wallet. It doesn't go through a platform. It doesn't go through something else. I know that they have an NFT in their wallet and they know that they have my NFT in their wallet as well. And so that's kind of that relationship now is, is, is I mean, tangible, I guess, we're to say this about like NFTs, but like it is actually practical in the sense that it's a member's card that in their wallet and that is represented here. And I know this exists and I know that I can go anywhere on the web or even in the physical space. And if somebody can show me their NFT, I know they're a member of my community. I don't have to go through, you know, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, Apple, Google, or any of these things. Does that make sense? Completely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so basically what it is, is instead of purchasing through, I don't know, Stripe or something on a newsletter. And then, I mean, if anyone's ever tried to have a membership site and try to connect across multiple platforms, it's the biggest pain. I mean, we run a marketing agency and we work with only memberships and newsletters, yeah. and it is insane to try to do this in the web two world. So this is why we're so excited about Unlock Protocol. You basically, you buy this NFT and it can just integrate into any application uh, on the internet. Now, not any yet, but eventually. Um, so can you just sort of talk about yeah, definitely. And I want to give an example here because you guys are on the okay. call and you see my screen. Unfortunately, not everybody sees this, but like, I'll tell you this. I've got a membership on my little blog. Uh, technically, people, it's, it's using Gatsby, which is a static site generator. Um, and you can go there. That membership is $5 a year. You don't have to buy this, but it's just for, to explain uh, some background here. What I do with these members, and I have about 150 or 160 members at this point. What I do with these members, like if you have the NFT in your wallet, well, you can read the full post. So think of it as a paywall. At the same time, that NFT itself exists outside of my blog. So here on that video call, uh, and people pretty don't see me doing this, but you have to imagine at the bottom of the screen, I've got all of these little icons here. And so think of this as kind of a bunch of stamps. Each of these icons is one of my members. So the members that are on my blog now exist, if you want, outside of my blog. They have the NFT in their wallet, and I can actually bring them with me whatever or wherever I go online. Mm -hmm. So I go on a video call, I use a virtual webcam and I kind of overlay their icons here. So the, if you're looking for an analogy at home and listening to this on, on, on the podcast, like think of it kind of a, web, a weather guy uh, and I, I'm able to actually overlay some icons on my calls. And these icons are just the, you know, the, what we call the, um, uh, the, emo, the, emo, ah, the, there's a word for this. Anyway, the blockies, sorry. It's, it's uh, the blockies of their Ethereum addresses because I actually know who these addresses are, and I can actually create that little uh, little interface here. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so what does that allow for the members? 
so for them, it doesn't allow much specifically in that context, except that if one of them is really proud to be on my call, they know that they're going to be on my calls uh, because anytime I have a call with my webcam, I use this virtual webcam and I overlay all of my members. So it doesn't do much for them, but it's kind of, a, think of it as like the, uh, when you go to the museum and you see, you know, the donors wall, you see all of the big donors, you see their names, doesn't yeah. do much for them. It's kind of the idea here. Like, like it's, it's not the donors wall, but it's like my, my fans, I don't know their fans, but like the members of my community are here. And so what's really cool about this is, is the idea of the cross-platform thing. So now I can actually also have a, a little uh, Discord server just for my members uh, and they can come. And basically the only thing that they need to be able to do is connect their wallet. And then the Discord bot will say, hey, do they own a membership to uh, Julian's blog? Yes, they do. Boom. I'll give them access. No, they don't. I'll kick them out. And so one of the... Go for go it, Jay. I'll ask my next. No, no, actually. you go. You go ahead. Okay. So one of the one of the things that I'm thinking about here is typically when someone signs up for a membership and then they want to go into, let's say, a Discord server, you can give them a link because they've purchased, and then they can join in. But now there's when they cancel, Discord never knows that they cancel. How does this work with Unlock? Let's say I cancel my membership. Does it all of a sudden like remove that NFT then from their wallet, and now all of a sudden they can't access Discord and all the paywalled content? Yeah, so there's actually two different things. So if they cancel, so first, by default, each membership in with Unlock has an expiration date. So when you become a member of my blog, it's for a year, 365 days from the minute you purchase. So if you get it now, you're going to get it for a year. If you got it a month ago, you only have 11 months left. What happens is that you could also cancel your membership. Hey, I don't want this anymore. And at that time, what you end up doing is not quite burn the NFT, but basically bring the time off of the, the NFT to zero and say, Boop, the NFT does, is not valid anymore. Same if it happens, if it expires because it's the normal life, then it, it is still on chain, it's still a membership, but it has a timestamp of zero. That means that it's actually not usable anymore uh, to connect to website. And now each website, each application would do something different. Uh, my blog basically will not give you access to the content if it's expired. This, I would not show your icon if you're there, but if there's a Discord bot, the Discord bot could say, hey, okay, I know there is, they have one NFT, I know their NFT is expired, so I'm not gonna give them access, I'll remove the role. Or maybe they will actually keep you in it uh, based on, on, on the fact that you had the membership once, you're, you're fine keeping that role for, for some time. Does that make sense? So each application decides of how it wants to um, enforce, I'd say, the benefits uh, to people. Right. So what's the, let's, let's, let's dive into maybe some examples of how, other than you mentioned interoperability, you mentioned, I mean, this ability to acknowledge your members. Um, yeah. I think that the core of this is creating a better relationship with customers, right? Exactly right. Exactly. So how else does an NFT allow a business or a creator or an artist to create better relationship with their members? Yeah. So you can imagine all kinds of different benefits that uh, an artist, a business could offer. One of the things that I'm, I think is going to take off and, and be massive is uh, commerce benefits. So, I mean, the biggest membership of all in the US is it's called Amazon Prime. It's a membership. People pay for this every month and has pretty clear, uh, uh, you know, commercial benefits. I like get free shipping on all of your things. Um, I do think that, you know, my local butcher shop uh, that I love here, they don't have one yet, but I do think at some point they'll have a membership and say, hey, you know what, you pay, uh, you know, $50 a year, whatever that is, you support your local business, which I think a lot of us want to do. And you get, you know, uh, once a month, you get a free sausage. I don't know if that makes sense, but that would be the thing. Uh, and, and creating that local economy and say, hey, the people in my community that are members of my butcher community mm -hmm. are supporting me with that, you know, payments uh, that they do for the membership, but also they, they get some benefits. And then you can imagine something like pretty cool where it's like, oh, now the baker next door say, you know what, if you're a member of the butchers, I'm going to give you a free baguette or I'm going to, you know, uh, once a month, uh, you're going to be able to come taste my new kind of bread. Uh, and so you kind of create these, as you said, better relationship with the people that you care about, not just these randos on the internet in some way, uh, which is what we've been basically uh, with, with the attention economy. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that comes to mind for me is, uh, is access because access is such a big part of creating loyalty, right? Yes. Uh, you know, your earliest fans, your earliest supporters deserve access. So, you know, in your, in your butcher example, maybe only members have access to a certain inventory that he has or Ostrich a, eggs on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's actually a real right. thing. Like there's a, a market up there and they have ostrich eggs. And, and every time they run out, like at 930 BC, it opens up nine and a half hour later, there's no more. It's just like, it would be a great thing to do. It's like, you know what? Yeah, just for the people that actually support me. Well, I've got ostrich eggs. I'm still selling them, but it's only for the people that are close to my community. And I think that creates an incentive here. Yeah. 
Now, is there, okay, so there's definitely ways that NFTs can provide a better relationship with the customers. Is there also a, a way that it generates additional revenues? Like in the Web2 world, you sign up for a membership and it's just plugging your credit card and you're paying whatever it is, 10 bucks a month. That's kind of it. It's your only option. NFTs definitely have a different way here because it's also an asset. How does that work? Yeah. Can you kind of dive into that? Absolutely. So as you said, NFTs are assets uh, and with Unlock, they're actually programmable assets. So there's a ton of things that you can do with the NFTs themselves. My assumption is like some of them will pretty appreciate in value. So for example, you can have a scenario where the on my blog, I could say, hey, right now it's unlimited, but I could have like the OG membership, only 100 mm -hmm. people or 120 people. Uh, and these will get some benefits on top of the other guys. And so if it's limited, if there's kind of a fixed supply, you create some scarcity uh, that would incentivize people to say, you know what? Yeah, I definitely want to get that one because it gives me access to X and Y and Z. Don't know if there's something valuable for my blog, but you can imagine a business can say, hey, you know what? If you got one of these 100 OGs, uh, you know, once a month for the lifetime of your membership, you can access um, that or this, which could be actually a, a great valuable thing. Another reason why, I mean, another point of about the fact that they're programmable is the fact that we've built in a royalties system. So a lot of people think, oh, NFTs are cool mm. because there's royalties. It's kind of a lie though, because the NFT contracts don't have anything to do with royalties. It's just, uh, you know, there's just a transfer function. But in the context of Unlock, we've added the time. I said earlier, right? Each membership has time attached to this. So if I transfer my Netflix membership to Kyle uh, and I've got 25 days on my membership, well, I, my membership gets expired or I don't have it anymore. And then Kyle gets bumped by 20, minute, 20 days, I think I said, uh, uh, on this membership. What the creator can do in that scenario is say, hey, cool, people can transfer the memberships back and forth or the time off of their membership. But every time they do so, we burn a little bit of time. So say Julian has 20 days, we burn 10%. So Kyle only gets 18 days because there's two days that have been lost. And so if we go back and forth enough times, we're going to have to renew. I mean, even if we did just one, we're going to have to renew earlier the membership, which means that it creates actually an additional income for the creator in that scenario, uh, creating incentives um, um, on that front. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. Very interesting. Well, I think one of the best examples I've seen of someone using Unlock Protocol is um, his name is Croissant on Twitter. Yes, uh, I don't yes. know what his actual name is, but uh, um, he, yeah, they have Bakery Dow and they have two tiers of NFTs. One is like you said, scarce. There's only a limited amount. The, the other one's unlimited. And the, the scarce one, they actually receive some of the revenue from the unlimited ones. And so like they actually can can um, earn by being a member of that tier, you can actually earn revenue. Yes. Um, and so that is an asset that I can see increasing. Plus they get dividends from the unlimited one. Yep. Plus then, you know, they had to pay for something to get uh, access to this membership and get all the benefits of that too. So it's like it unlocks, which is why I love the name Unlock Protocol, so many different levels and like yes. uh, capabilities in a membership, which is super, super interesting. Let me tell you another one that I think is really cool that I haven't seen implemented. Actually, uh, somebody gave me the idea last week. So I'm hoping that somebody... Uh, takes it and, and runs with it. Uh, inside yeah. the, the, the uh, public lock smart contract, we have the concept of hooks. And for anyone who is a software engineer, the hook is the idea that you can alter the behavior of something when something happens, right? Um, and so one of the idea that that person gave me is like, could there be a referral program where once I'm a member, I've got the key, we call that, I think the key to the lock. So I've got the key to the lock. If I send a link to Kyle and a link that is special, let's say, hey, uh, Kyle can purchase a membership from that link. But if he does, Julian is going to get a little bit of time as a reward mm -hmm. off of the lock. So basically, I've got 30 days of something. I'm inviting you, Kyle, to join. Kyle purchases the 30 days. Now the lock could automatically maybe give me back money, but more maybe more interestingly in some way, give me one or two days worth of access on top of my existing 30 days. And so that creates kind of an incentive now for me, the member, to convince the next members to join because now my mm -hmm. membership is going to be extended in time. And maybe I'm going to earn enough time that it's worth now selling my time to Jay in that scenario. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Right. It does. Um, okay. So a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs, marketers, creators, probably people that could use this. Uh, a lot of our yeah. clients as well, by the way. Um, Let's work <laughs> on this together. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. How does, so is this like a, a, a protocol that is like no code? So someone who's not a developer can come in and use this, or do you need to have a developer that like plugs this in or is it kind of a combination? Or it's a combination work? of, I mean, it's basically we're in the middle state, right? Like it's, it, it, the goal is to make it so that it's, it's no code in the vast majority of cases is like, for example, we have a WordPress plugin today. If you have a WordPress blog, which is the biggest CMS of all, I'm sure your listeners know of WordPress, uh, you can deploy the lock through our dashboard no code to write. You have a, to have a crypto wallet, but it's fairly 
straightforward and I'm happy to make things easier and better if people have feedback on how to make it better and easier. And then you get what we call the lock address or a smart contract address that you can hook into a plugin on your WordPress page. And then that's it. You don't have to actually write code. You hook it into the WordPress page and now you can actually on every page or post, you can actually even point to blocks and say, this block is gonna be available for everyone or this block is members only. And you can actually easily do that without having to write code. The WordPress integration is one that is pretty deep. It's not perfect, but it's, it's pretty deep. In some other context, you say, hey, I'm a software engineer. I want to create kind of a custom application. And that's how you might have to write some code. Our goal is to have you know, plugins, uh, apps, or how you, each platform has these uh, concepts into every single piece of software that you can imagine. My dream would be that at some point, you know, Instagram says, you know what? You want to post that picture, post it for everyone, or post it just for the people that have the membership to that block. Put your lock address, right. save, publish, and then Instagram does the token gating in that scenario. So you almost want to be like the, the Zapier, you know, Zapier just integrates yeah, and course. connects mm -hmm. everything. That's, I think, through APIs, but that yes. sort of idea. That sort of idea, exactly. So it's not about publishing content. Like Zapier is good at like, you know, uh, triggering events and stuff. It's like gating, like membership, right? It's like, how can we identify who is a member of a, of a community and who is not, and then give them access based on the fact that they have a membership token in their wallet. And, right. and who are you seeing more of your customers be right now? Are you seeing it more as the entrepreneur creator yes. or more as the um, app creator who wants to build their own app on top of Unlock? So it's interesting. We're definitely seeing a lot of creators come to us and say, hey, I'd love to use Unlock. I'm myself not technical. How can I do this? So right. our goal this year is actually to build a developer community, a bunch of, you know, a community of, I'd say, our goal, I think, is 100, but I don't know if it's a large enough of software engineer developer that have created a little piece of code that integrates unlock into an existing kind of application or an application that they created themselves. So our goal is to create that kind of developer ecosystem in the same way that, you know, you want to create a website, uh, there's a million people that can do uh, React right. or a million people that can do, you know, WordPress and can do this for you. So our goal is to be at a point where there is, uh, I'd say, uh, again, at the end of the year, 100 developers that are using unlock, have used unlock um, to deploy memberships into existing application or creating plugins. Okay. So this way we can have created. So actually a good example of this, we have uh, somebody a couple of weeks ago, and I should mention, we have a grants program. We'll talk about this a bit later, but somebody a couple of weeks ago say, hey, I'm going to build a Slack integration. So Slack is this, mm. um, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows of Slack at this point, <laughs> uh, but uh, basically creating, say, hey, I'd love to be able to have Slack channels where only members of my community can actually post content. And so they're creating a, using the Slack API, creating a little, it's not a bot, but it's a little integration that allows you to token gate to um, you know, a Slack um, channel just to people that have the right membership in their wallets. Interesting. Are, are bigger platforms like, I don't know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, do they have an open API enough to do this or those are like- Some do so have things and I can't tell too much, but some do have things um, that we can work with. Some have stuff that they're actually working on uh, and right. hopefully integrating on Lock directly. We actually had a bunch of very, very cool discussion with large tech platforms that are like, yeah, this is cool. We'd, we'd love to support that uh, one way or another. So we're going to look at it. We, we haven't talked about governance yet. And that's maybe one of the next discussions. But like, yeah. uh, our goal is really to be everywhere. We're not trying to own the thing. Like maybe that's one of the difference with, you know, Web3 and Web2 is the idea that you can move away from platforms toward protocol or back to protocols. Um, right. and, and so I, in practice, if you deploy a lock today and you put it on, on, on your site or on your podcast, actually, there's a bunch of people that use Unlock for podcasts, creating kind of episodes that are, have a free version and an, uh, a premium version in some, in some mm. way. If you do that today, you can do it. And I or anyone would never be able to shut you down. Like that's the point of, it's like HTTP, right? You create your website, nobody mm -hmm. can shut it down. Here's the same idea. Like you create your membership. Well, you know what? I, I cannot prevent you from doing it. Or I cannot force you to do anything with that. Interesting. I have one more feature question. And then I want to zoom out a of bit course. and pick your brain as like, as a founder, entrepreneur building in web three, I want to yeah, kind of, of zoom out of it. But first, one of the best things about memberships is automated payments, right? You plug your credit card in and then users just like, it just takes it off every month. And yeah. I don't know what percent, but a large percent definitely don't even know that it's happening, yeah. uh, which like, I don't know if that's the best thing, but like as a entrepreneur, part, I mean, as, as, as a business side, no, it's, thing. It's, yeah. you know, actually it's funny because I, I agree with you that it's kind of, Sometimes challenging. And there is definitely a bunch of companies that abuse this. Like, oh, you put your credit card and then it's impossible to cancel. You have to call them. And it's just like right. uh, hard. Um, but I also know that from a user perspective, there's a ton of people like, hey, I want to support that community. I want to support that creator. I, I, I'm not going to show up every day. I'm not, it's okay that, I, that they charge my card every month, right. even if I don't go there. And there's a ton of these. Like in my, I mean, if I look at my Substack subscription, it's most of them, I guess, at this point. <laughs> and it's fine because I, I care about the 
supporting that creator. And then maybe I'm going to read a story a month. And we're talking about like, you know, $5 a month. Like, I, I mean, you guys are in Canada, in the US, $5 a month. Uh, you know, it's like a coffee at Starbucks at this point. It's not well, much. And we have and it was so many, right. We have so many subscriptions now. I don't want to deal with like going and going, yeah, let's keep spending on that one. My Netflix and my Amazon Prime and my cable bill and what, I mean, I don't have a cable, but most people okay. do. Uh, so like, yeah, that's frustrating. So, or that would be frustrating. So to be clear, yeah. Going back to your question about like uh, recurring, because right now in the, in the state of things, and I shouldn't say right now, because it's actually not the case anymore as of a couple hours ago, uh, unlock <laughs> the core protocol doesn't have automatically recurring memberships. So basically right. okay. you get a membership for a month, a week, a year, depending on what the creator decides as the base period. And then you have to show up and click again to purchase. Uh, we are currently upgrading the smart contract to the next situation, and that's going to include a functionality to support automatically recurring memberships. And so without going too deep into technical details, because I don't know how your audience, how technical your audience is, but like as a user, I'd be able to approve a lock, a smart contract, say, hey, go spend 12 times $5 uh, on my account. So I approve the contract to spend that much. And then the contract itself has inside of it the logic of being able to withdraw from my balance $5 for 30 days. And then it has also the economic incentives for someone else in the ecosystem, anyone to submit this. Hey, I know that Julian approved that thing to, to withdraw from their balance. I'm going to trigger it. So Julian gets $5 withdrawn from his balance. That goes to the lock. Julian gets the membership. But me, as the person who submitted the transaction, get a little reward either in the form of a little kickback in gas or even governance token, and we'll talk about this a bit later, that allows now people to, in, to be incentivized. And when I say people, it's probably going to be bots to incentivize these, uh, you know, uh, we call this mining in the end because it's mining, right? Hmm, this right. Uh, transaction execution to renew everyone else's memberships. Hmm. Interesting. Very have, interesting. Have you, ever looked, have you ever looked into Superfluid or Diagonal Finance yeah, with streaming payments? Yeah, Is that something you guys are looking to build on? Yeah, absolutely. So Superfluid and I, uh, and I and us have an ongoing project to actually make it easy for people to integrate a Superfluid and a lock. The idea would be you start yeah. the, 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 the stream, uh, Superfluid, at that time that grants you a membership to the lock. And then when the stream ends, uh, when it's shut down, the membership is taken from your wallet. So that would actually be a perfect way of doing this thing, these kind of things. Cool. We have uh, Tony from uh, Diagonal Finance, who's they've built on top of Superfood coming on yep. in, a, in a few weeks in the podcast as well. Um, but yeah, thanks for clarifying that. Um, that's that's super interesting and glad you, I've been in your dad's Discord for weeks or actually months saying, we need automated payments. We need automated it's, payments. It's coming. So. It's coming. It's literally coming. Like I, we're on Winkaby. We're live on mainnet. I think we're going to be live later today. I need to approve one of the multi-sig transactions. Sweet. And then Polygon and, 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 uh, and uh, Gnosis Chain are next. And then Optimism um, by the end of the week, I think we'll, we'll be live as well. There we go. There's the announcement. You heard it here first. I think. Huge yeah. news. You know, but... Huge news. <laughs> it's, it's, to be clear, this, this smart contract upgrade, we'll still have to build the infrastructure around it, like on the checkout right. to make sure that it's... But, you know, step-by-step step, we're getting there and that's really exciting. Cool. I love that. Jay, any other questions on the features? If not, I want to zoom out a little no, bit let's, here. No, uh, let's, yeah, let's, let's keep moving forward. I, I think everybody just listening can tell how excited Kyle and I are. We keep interrupting <laughs> each other because we both have so many questions. <laughs> and I'm glad to answer these. And we can definitely do a second follow-up episode if you guys want. Like it's, uh, yeah, yeah, we may need to. Um, okay, so you actually just mentioned a few different chains. You mentioned Optimism. I think you mentioned yeah. Polygon. I think you're built on Mainnet, like Ethereum Mainnet. And I think you said Osmosis Chain. Um, so just a quick question there, like, first of all, what blockchains have you built on and like, what, what made you decide on where you want to build or like, what did you think about yeah. or you and your team? What did you guys think about? And what were like the things that made you decide here or not going here? Like, can you just walk us through that process? Absolutely. So first we started building Unlock about three and a half years ago. So long time oh. ago. Uh, I mean, technically we shipped the first version about three years ago. Um, on mainnet because three years ago, gas was cheap on mainnet. Um, at the same time, um, if you, I mean, we're building smart contracts. Three years ago, there was not like five different platforms on which you could actually build smart contract that had a developer ecosystem. Ethereum was pretty much the only one. Tezos was kind of around the block, uh, didn't have as big of the developer ecosystem despite its French roots. And I'm, I'm you know, uh, rooting for, for the French people, but it's, it's this. Um, um, so Ethereum mainnet was the first one that we went for. And then about a year and a half ago, well, gas prices became, oh, actually almost two years ago, no, gas pricing started to be wild. And that's where it was like, okay, well, clearly the use case of a membership that's, you know, one to $5 on mainnet is not going to work much if people have to pay $5 in gas, $10 in gas, $50 in gas uh, for, that, for, for execution of that transaction. So that's when we started looking at 
other chains. Uh, we quickly shipped on uh, Gnosis chain, which is uh, used to be called XDAI, uh, which is a nice little EVM compatible chain. And one of the benefits also of, of sticking to the EVM ecosystem is like the same smart contract can actually run on both chains. Later on, we've added Polygon. Um, this fall, I mean, last fall, sorry, we added um, Binance chain, um, which is, you know, uh, EVM compatible. And that's pretty much the only thing that it has for it, but don't tell that. Uh, and then we've added Optimism uh, as the first L2 that we want to support. Uh, we're adding more and more. Our goal is to be anywhere that is EVM compatible because it's, I don't say easy, but, you know, we, we have a clear way of doing this. We'd love to be able to add other ecosystems as well, like Solana, like, you know, Near, like um, Cosmos, uh, like Blockstack. It's challenging though, because we would have to rewrite our contracts. And our goal is to make it so that as a creator, I don't have to think I can just deploy on any chain that I want, but it works the same anywhere. And so as much as it would be really cool to be able to say, hey, I'm going to deploy this on, you know, on Solana, it has to work the same for both EVM users, people that have a MetaMask and people that are native to the Solana environment across the board. And for now, we don't have a solution to this. Hopefully we'll get there because again, our goal is to be everywhere, uh, but it's it's tricky to say the least. And, and right. for for our listeners out there who are who are builders and who are thinking about building on a chain, I would love to just sort of get your insight into what what influenced your decision, your team's decision, or how 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 do you recommend that a builder approaches thinking about which chains to yeah. to build on and what order and you know, it's a, I think it's a tough question that a lot of people are facing. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely a, a tough one and one that we're trying to uh, be more uh, thoughtful about. So to be clear, I think the first point is to think about like, what are you trying to sell? Like a membership that is going to be, you know, $1,000 a month, or are you trying to sell, you know, a little membership to a media site? If you're talking about $1,000 a month, then it's high enough that you might want to have something kind of, I don't say secure because the rest is not not secure, but, you know, bet on the Fort Knox of, of VVM ecosystem, which is mainnet. And it's fine in that scenario that people are going to spend, you know, 10, 20, $50 in gas, because that's nothing compared to the thousand dollars that you're going to spend for the membership itself. So I'd say you go there. Um, similarly, if you're trying to do something where I, I should mention this, like all of the memberships are NFTs. If you're looking to optimize for something that, oh, I want the NFTs to be visible in NFT platform like OpenSea, well, you need to pick something that is supported by OpenSea. And so in that scenario, you might pick mainnet, but you can also pick Polygon. Polygon is, I think, a decent alternative to mainnet. Gas is much, much cheaper. Like in that scenario, it's not even a cent worth of gas to get a membership. Uh, it has other interesting characteristics. One of them is proof of stake, which makes it a bit better on the environment. I mean, significantly better on the environment than mainnet. Minute will be proof of stake, um, I don't want to say any day, but hopefully any week now, uh, which is really exciting um, because it's going to be better for the planet. At the same time, it's not going to get cheaper. It feels like, if anything, it's actually going to get more expensive because it's going to increase demand for it. But in practice, picking polygons that you have something that's proof of stake, much cheaper. Again, don't want to say not highly secure, but a little bit more centralized, at least, uh, than uh, what Ethereum mainnet is. I mentioned Gnosis Chain. I think it's actually a great option as well. Uh, unfortunately, OpenSea doesn't support it, but it's a great option, maybe more reliable than than uh, than, than, um, than um, Polygon. Polygon. Probably because Polygon is also um, in high, high demand right now. So it's kind of a bit harder to, uh, to do certain things. But Gnosis is definitely a good option. The last one, which I think is the only real long-term option, I'd say, is the so-called L2s. Because, I mean, I, again, don't know how technical people are, but like if you think about Gnosis or Polygon, they're sidechains. They're not L2s in the sense that they don't share states with the mainnet. But Optimism, Arbitrum, ZK Sync, and a bunch of others are uh, so-called L2s. So technically, they are sharing the data space, if you want, with Ethereum mainnet. So you actually get the security of mainnet, while at the same time get much cheaper cost because basically a bunch of transactions are, again, I'm not using the right technical term, but like bundled together, um, uh, rolled up, I guess is the right term, uh, to make them a bit cheaper um, um, uh, on chain. The challenge with these L2s for now is like, they're still not as popular. People don't necessarily have the currencies to pay for gas on these things. Um, and also they're, a fair bit centralized at this point. There are only uh, one sequencer, which is only one entity that actually submits the transaction. Not ideal. Uh, my bet is that these are things that are going to, I mean, my bet, my hope, my bet, I think these are things <laughs> that eventually will be fully decentralized. Uh, and I think both of the, you know, at least Arbitrum and Optimism, which is the one that I know a bit more of, have clear paths uh, toward this. Uh, but obviously we're, we're definitely at the edge 
of the technology uh, when it comes to uh, you know adoption and things like this. So long, I mean short, long long story short, I'd say most membership these days would pretty live on on Gnosis Chain or Polygon. Uh, very expensive ones um, um, could go on mainnet. Uh, and if you really want to kind of be forward thinking and, and looking at like the future, uh, for looking at optimism or, or arbitrary might actually be the way to go. Make sense? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. thank you yeah, for, for sharing that. I think it's, uh, you see so much on Twitter of people just fighting over where to, should we deploy on this? Should we do this on this chain? And it's so frustrating to watch it on Twitter, but that's some great, in, great insight for everyone. One thing um, that actually, one thing that I should clarify, like, um, even though we're on all of these networks and our goal is to be on all of them, we really yeah. want to abstract away the complexity. I should also mention Celo. I think it's a good alternative and that's one of the networks that we're going to focus on next. Um, one thing that we're thinking a lot about is like, how can we make it easy for a creator who has deployed a membership on a chain mm. to still have members that are connected to another chain? So basically you end up on my blog, it's using Gnosis Chain or XDAI and you have your wallet configured to Polygon. Is there a way to make it so that you pay from your Polygon connected wallet where you have some medic for membership on my blog, even though my blog is on a different chain? And, and I think there's a way um, that we're going to work on in the second half of the year. But like, and if there's a way, how can we make this as decentralized as possible? Because obviously there's going to be an intermediate, a bridge of some kind, something that's going to pass a message from a chain to another. And then there's going to be people that have economic incentives to actually pass these messages around. But like, how can we build a system that now abstracts away the complexity of having multiple chains uh, so that users can easily uh, get memberships on one chain, even though they're connected to another one, because it doesn't matter to them what chain they're on or they should be on. Does, does that provide a lot of risk, like smart contract risk or bridge? Like obviously bridge risk from chain to chain is risky. From L1 to L2, like Ethereum, like to rollups, to Arbitrum, to Optimism, not so risky. Exactly. Um, That's also so why- So is it the same thing for this? Yes, exactly. So the idea would be, uh, there would be a significant, we'll talk about this, maybe a significant risk on like mainnet to side chains, because as you said, the bridge has to be, in some way trusted in the middle. And yet we have ideas on how to make this a bit secure. But then in the L1 to L2 world or L2 to L2, we might actually be able to do that in a, in a way that would be not risky at all, or at least uh, significantly risked. The way to think about this though, uh, the risk on the bridges oftentimes is the fact that the, um, the, the host, oh, I would say this, they, they hold assets while they're on the other chain. You know, the energy that I think of that is like this uh, little toy that people have where there's like, you know, um, how do you call these? Like a, a little bowl on both sides and then you put, put. I heard this called. Uh, but basically it's like, think of it like, like two uh, little bowls with a string and then uh, when one moves, it stops uh, and then the other one is pushed and then it comes back. And so that's how bridges work, right? Basically, right? The asset is on one side, it comes back to the middle of the bridge and then the asset is on the other side. It's actually still on the bridge. With what we're thinking as a design is actually, it wouldn't be like this, like you would get the NFT on, on, on the other chain. It's just that you pass a message saying, hey, I allow someone to get money from my, on the one side so that they actually can mint the NFT on the other side on my mm -hmm. behalf. And so there's actually no money sitting on the bridge in that scenario. It's mm -hmm. just a message that's being passed. Uh, the money would actually be stored in some other contract where it's not a bridge, right. uh, technically speaking. I don't understand. Can't bridges? Why don't they just burn it on this side and then remint it on this side? And now you're not holding anything over here in this bridge. Uh, I mean, it's like it, the question is like usually you can't burn it because the bridge doesn't have the the right to burn a thing, right? Like it doesn't uh, have to, actually doesn't have the right to mint on on the side, so it would have okay. to hold it and then transfer it back to an address when it goes back. So that's the challenge. Okay, we're getting we're getting into the weeds of the, yeah. We're getting the tech, into the weeds. My, I mean, my conviction <laughs> though is like we, we've we've thought about bridges wrong this way. We, we're thinking about a bridge as, uh, for example, like the way we think about bridge collectively right now is like all the ERC twenties go to the same bridge. I think in the end we're going to have each ERC twenty is going to have its own bridge and it's going to manage its own balances on both sides, and then it can do exactly what you're describing, which is like minting and burning on either side and not have to hold anything in the middle. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, I hope someone figures it out because there's so many bridge hacks right now yes, and it's, it's, scary. it's insane. Yes. Um, okay, let's pull out of the tech side of things for a second. And you've mentioned governance a couple of times. Yes. And I think this plays into the question that I have. On your website, it says, we're building a public good together. Our mission is to create a protocol that belongs to the users, creators, and builders, not Unlock Inc. Can you explain what that means and how yeah. that's possible or, or what you guys are trying to do there? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, putting back my open web hat, uh, and I did work a bit with the W3C. I actually wrote a, a, a specification called WebSub, which is way before crypto. Governance of protocol is hard, uh, and protocols are, they're not platforms. I said earlier, like a platform is Facebook. There's APIs in terms of service, and Facebook can any day change how things work, and they do, right, as a matter of fact. Protocols are different in the sense that they're collectively agreed upon. Like nobody can arbitrarily change HTTP tomorrow and say, hey, this is how things work now. And if you don't agree with this, too bad for you. This is something that is kind of collectively agreed upon by many, many people uh, um, through a, a governance body. And the governance body in the context of HTTP is W3C, right? It's the World Wide Web Consortium. That's where people have discussions about how the web works. One thing that crypto gives us is actually a new way to do these governance. Um, a new way to say, hey, this is how a smart contract works. And Julian or nobody can change it arbitrarily. It has to be agreed upon by all of the collective users of the protocol in that way. So what we have inside of Unlock is pretty simple, is we have a governance token that actually gets minted on every transaction. So every time somebody purchases a membership, there is new governance token that are minted. I'm simplifying things a little bit, but that's the idea. It's, think of it as airline mice new flight, new miles, new membership, new governance token. The amount of token being minted is using a bunch of uh, things like a log curve. So even though there is more and more, there's fewer and fewer more. I guess it's the way to, to describe this. Then everybody who actually received these airline miles, these governance token, can show up and submit proposals. There's actually currently one on the, on the DAO to say, hey, I want the protocol to evolve to support X and Y and Z. I myself cannot force an upgrade to the protocol without the agreement of the community. Does that make sense? So that's the end goal. Yep. We also have a little bit of a treasury that the DAO can spend uh, based on what the community wants. And so it really is the idea that Unlock Inc, like anybody else, will just be a token holder with some tokens to vote on the governance uh, on the DAO, but will not have the majority of votes and will not have the ability to force or prevent a decision from, from happening. It has to be collectively agreed upon by the users of the protocol. So is, is there an unlock token? I haven't yes. seen an unlock. Yeah, there is. Okay. There is one. And it's, it's called, on public it's, markets? It's on Uniswap uh, at this point. Um, this is not uh, you know, uh, investment advice or anything like this. Uh, it's it's really a governance token. It's it's it has you know no I mean what's the word? I don't want to say no value because it's extremely valuable in the sense that it allows you to govern the protocol, but it doesn't have any expectation of, of profit, I should say. Uh, in that right. scenario, it's a way to join the governance and help the ecosystem of people that are, care about Unlock uh, make decisions and improve how some things work in the ecosystem. And, and who are those that are earning these tokens? You said after every transaction or every time yeah. someone like buys a membership, is it the, the people that created that block, they get the Could token? Be, or yeah. So we have the concept of what we call a referrer, which is basically the person that implements the protocol on their website can decide who that is. So basically, in most cases, uh, you would say, hey, it's me. I implemented it on my website. It's me. But I can also say, hey, you know what? Um, the developer who did this is Jay. I'm going to put Jay's address. And so even though uh, John purchased a membership on Jane's blog, Jay is going to get a little bit of tokens in that scenario. So it's kind of a third-party address that you can actually pass on the purchase transaction. The front end would actually just hide that for you uh, to make sure that the reward goes to the implementer of the protocol in that scenario. So you're sort of like delegating your voting rights to X person that you want to have them kind of thing. Exactly right. And you think that X person in, in my idea, but it could be anyone, is the person who actually created the, the implementation of the protocol on a specific website. So the WordPress plugin say, hey, this is the guy who did the WordPress plugin or it's customizable. I could change it when I use the plugin myself, but like by default, it would be the guys who created the WordPress plugin as a way to say, hey, you did this. You should have a say in how this thing works. Right. And you said that Unlock DAO, I don't know if it's called Unlock, you call it it's Unlock called DAO? DAO. Yeah, it's actually called the DAO. Yeah, Unlock DAO. Okay. Yeah. It has a bit of a treasury. Yeah. How does it earn from the treasury? Is that just Unlock Inc? Gave it so some? Exactly. Unlock, it exactly. Some... Yeah. In Unlock Inc, when we, when we created the protocol, we minted a bunch of tokens. And our goal is to distribute about 80% of these tokens, keep for ourselves 20%. So even though there's always more, we also minted a bunch so that we can give away as grants. I mentioned earlier, like, you know, the guy who does the Slack mm -hmm. plugin um, actually is a grantee. Uh, there's about 20-ish grantees at this point, people that are building integrations uh, for platforms that they care about, that they know, that they use, you know, the web flows of the world, the, uh, mm -hmm. the WordPress, I mentioned the Drupal's, the Ruby on Rails, like anything mm -hmm. that you think would, should have a, an easy way to have unlock in it. 
apply for a grant, uh, receive a grant, and the idea is like, now you've got these tokens, you can do these things. We also allocated a bunch of the token to the DAO directly, say, hey, it's, it's kind of, you know, the DAO now has a budget, I guess, that it can spend for things that, they, that it wants to uh, spend for. Cool. So let's just take a step back before we wrap up here, because I know we're uh, almost uh, at the end of time. I hope yeah. you have time for one more question it's here, cool. Julian. Yeah, don't worry. No okay, worries, great. Um, let's, let's zoom into the future. Um, what do you think the future of NFT memberships looks like? Five, 10, 20 years, you picked a timeline. You know, once the UX and the technology stack is significantly improved, where do you think we're going? Yeah, I think we're going to go in a world where there's memberships for everything. Uh, mm -hmm. Where, as I mentioned, you know, the local butcher, uh, your favorite musician, uh, your co conferences that you attend to, the piece of software that you play, like the game actually has a membership. Um, that's what we're going for. In the same way that there's a website for everything at this point, I do think that soon there's going to be memberships for everything. Uh, once there's membership for everything, that's also how a lot of creators, a lot of communities, brands actually make money. I mentioned Amazon Prime as the biggest membership of all. It's not the case anymore, but it used to be the case that the Amazon profit was exactly the Amazon Prime revenues. <laughs> it's kind of fascinating. It's like Amazon as a company is a membership company. That's how they make money. They, they happen to sell goods with the membership, but in practice, they just make money off of Amazon Prime. Um, so in the long, I mean, in the long term, like not too long, like two, five, 10 years, I do think we'll be in a world where there's going to be memberships for everything you'll have easy interfaces to manage them all in the same way that you have a web browser and a search engine to actually manage websites in some way you'll have an easy way to manage all of these membership we call that a keychain basically because it's like keys to locks so you'll have a little ui where you say oh i can see all of these things you can easily cancel swap you know i say oh i don't want this uh netflix membership anymore i'm going to swap for a for a hbo plus membership for a couple of days well you can do that uh, so that interface allows you to do these things in that way you, so you're saying you'll be able to swap your membership with, you mean someone else, like there's a marketplace yes. for memberships. Yes, absolutely. Oh, that's really cool. I never yeah. thought about that before. Yeah, of course. Interesting. I think, and what's interesting is like, I think a lot of creators will actually enjoy that. They'll say, hey, you know what? I'm mm -hmm. going to create a, a membership that's fairly expensive because I don't want to be selling memberships every day. I'd rather have like, you know, a hundred patrons that each pay me a thousand dollars a month. Uh, and there's going to be corporation, there's going to be businesses. Uh, I know I'm getting you now a hundred thousand dollar budget every month. And these are the ones that are going to resell my membership in smaller bits to other people that want to access my content. And so you end up in a world like now as a creator, I work for my end community, but I've got these people that are selling my membership on my behalf in that way. What, what's really interesting is because these memberships also can go up in value because they're an asset, yeah. people are going to want to get in on memberships early. And yep. then mm -hmm. ideally they, they learn or doing whatever they're doing in that membership. And then the value goes up and now they want to sell it because it was like an investment. So the value goes up or the benefits actually increase. Like one thing that I, right. I, I think is like, oh, you know, my blog, right? You get access to my blog. Maybe at some point I'll do a, a big party and say, hey, you show up at my party in my place. If you have the MNFT membership, you can come in. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you're going to pay $5. Like, you can imagine a, a music band. It's like, you know, there are musicians, they have the membership, you can access their streaming music on their website. But now they do a big show next year in Central Park and they say, hey, you know what, anyone that is the membership, we didn't plan ahead for this, but anyone that has a membership can actually come backstage with us. So kind of think of these membership that keep on giving. It's like, oh, cool, and you benefit that I really liked. I didn't expect this. For me, that's how the value comes from. It's like, I trust you guys as, as, a, as a creator. I mean, I trust you guys as creators, as brands. I want to be part of this because I know I'm going to get more and more benefits over the, over the years, rather than just like, oh, this is a one-off thing. I've unlocked that content and then I, I have it and it's not worth anything anymore to me anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And both sides win then, right? Both yes, exactly. the the creator wins and the member wins because it's it comes back to that relationship that you talked about at the beginning. It's not our current relationship where our relationship with the web is purely based on attention. Now yes. our relationship is directly to the person that we care about and we can support yep. them and then they can support us and give us opportunities. Absolutely. Yes. It's a... Uh, yeah. It's an exciting future you're building. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's a lot of work. So come join us. I mean, you guys, but everybody else, like come join us. Uh, we have work to do, but we do think that it's actually a, a very um, um, exciting endeavor, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say I'd say a really noble cause. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap up with uh, just an opportunity for you to give your show. You know, you mentioned come join us anywhere that uh, people should be looking finding you, finding Unlock Protocol, anything coming yeah. up that you want to tell people about? Uh, absolutely. So unlock-protocol.com is the right place. We have a Discord. You're more than welcome to join. Um, 
GitHub, if you care about looking at our code, we all work in the open. So pretty much all of our issues and pull requests are there. Feel free to open some. We always love when somebody submits a bug fix, even if it's a small typo, it's always very cool. Uh, follow us on Twitter, I guess, uh, unlock protocol. I mean, sorry, twitter.com slash unlock protocol one world, one word. I am myself at uh, ouvreboite, O-U-V-R-E-B-O-I-T.com. You can get the membership uh, on me. Uh, what's fun though about that membership I didn't mention earlier, you don't have to pay for the full year. If you follow me on Twitter, you can get 30 minutes worth of membership for free. So just follow me on Twitter and then claim the 30 minutes and that lets you read one or two articles and you can do that again uh, every time you want to read more. Uh, but yeah, so that's me. And then Julian51 on Twitter because all of the other ones were taken. It's not true, but... June 51. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll put all those, all those links in the show notes uh, for everybody. Uh, I, I just have to call out there. I've never heard of the 30 minute free trial. That's a, uh, that's a new one there. Yeah. <laughs> the 30 but minute think, trial. It's, that's great. Think that's actually a way of, I mean, the way I, when I, when I came up with that idea was like the membership itself, cool. The base has like this much time, but there's nothing that actually prevents me from giving away a little bit of time to people would do something for me. So if you follow me on Twitter, boom, I'll give you 30 minutes. Um, if I mean, at some point I'll have other ideas of stuff to do, but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, spill any secret yet. Cool. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Julian. Really appreciate the time. Uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can get you back on and do a part two uh, in the, the next six months and talk more about memberships when, uh, when we see uh, more use cases. And yeah, I mean, what an incredible roadmap you guys have in front of you. Absolutely. And really excited to do one for the, you know, the web three doers. Uh, I, if you guys are interested, let's, let's chat about this because I think it can be fun. And we haven't talked about all of the cool things uh, that are possible, but there's a million really fun mm -hmm. things that are possible to do. So I'd love to, to do that with you guys. Awesome. Thanks so much, Julian. Thanks, Julian. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. By the way, if you have yet to join the Discord community, you are missing out. This is where all the magic happens. This is where we learn, where we ask questions, where we network. Uh, you want to be in there. The link to join is in the description below. And finally, a quick disclaimer. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.